0: Uh, following you through, I understand you finished on Exodus 3 last week, and I'm going to pick up Exodus 4, okay? I'm going to read the whole chapter, so if you can bear with me, I'll read the chapter through to put us in the picture, and then we'll get into it, okay? Exodus chapter 4, this is um, after uh, the encounter that Moses had with God, one of the biggest encounters in the Bible, when God introduces his name, I am that I am, The strange amazing name i am i i will be all that i'll be it's like impenetrable mystery and yet all sufficient god i am that i am and this wow this revelation of god and commission from god and uh, this is moses response then moses said what if they won't believe me or listen to what i say for they may say the lord hasn't appeared to you the lord said to him what is that in your hand he said a staff." He said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. But the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand, grasp it by its tail. So he stretched out his hand, caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, has appeared to you. The Lord furthermore said to him, now put your hand in your cloak. So he put his hand in his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous, like snow. Then he said, put your hand into your cloak again. So he put his hand in his cloak again. When he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they won't believe you or heed the witness of the first sign, they may believe the witness of the last sign. But if they'll not believe even these two signs or heed what you say, Then you will take some water from the Nile and pour it on dry ground. And the water which you take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. Then Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither recently nor in time past, nor since you've spoken to your servant, for I'm slow of speech, slow of tongue. The Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind. Is it not I, the Lord? Now then go, and I, even I, will be with your mouth and teach you what you're to say. But he said, please, Lord, now send your message by whoever you will. Then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses, and he said, is there not your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he speaks fluently. Moreover, behold, he's coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he'll be glad in his heart. You are to speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I, even I, will be with your mouth and with his mouth. And I will teach you what you are to do. Moreover, he shall speak for you, to the people. And he shall be as a mouth for you, and you will be as a God to him. And you shall take in your hand the staff with which you shall perform the signs. Then Moses departed, returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, "'Please let me go.' that I may return to my brothers who are in Egypt and see if they're still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, go in peace. Now the Lord said to Moses and Midian, go back to Egypt, for all the men who are seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons and mounted them on a donkey and returned to the land of Egypt. Moses also took the staff of God in his hand. The Lord said to Moses, when you get back to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders which I put in your power. But I will harden his heart. He'll not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I said to you, Let my son go, that he may serve me. But you've refused to let him go. Behold, I'll kill you, your, I will kill your son, your firstborn. Now it came about at a lodging place on the way that the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. Then Zipporah took a flint, cut off her son's foreskin and threw it at Moses' feet and said, you're indeed a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. At that time she said, you are a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. Now the Lord said to Aaron, go to meet Moses in the wilderness. So he went to meet him in the mountain of God, and kissed him. Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord with which he had sent him, and all the signs that he had commanded him to do. Then Moses and Aaron went and assembled all the elders of the sons of Israel, and Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then he performed the signs in the sight of the people, so the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about the sons of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed low and worshipped. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for all these great Bible stories that are so relevant to us today. And Holy Spirit, we invite you, please, come, be our teacher, help us to find ourselves and you in the story. Come and do us good here this morning, Father. We ask it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Moses is one of the great heroes of the Bible, and here we find he's quite a reluctant hero. So he's had this phenomenal encounter with God, uh, one that would make your breath, uh, you know, lose your breath. Wow, God spoke to me. God called me. God commissioned me. God said, I've seen their plight. I've heard their cry. I have come down to deliver them, and I send you. And Moses starts the next chapter with, what if? (laughs) And <laughs> you think, what? What if? What a dreadful way to respond to this tremendous invitation from God. I want to send you. Uh, what if? What if they won't believe me? You think, come on, step up, step up. What's wrong with the guy? Why doesn't he say, yeah, sure, this sounds exciting. I mean, all these people are slaves. I could be the one who frees them. I mean, what a tremendous invitation. Instead, Moses, no, no, I'm scared. No, 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 what if? You think, come on, what's wrong with him? What's wrong with him? Well, I want to just go through this chapter with you. And I, want, I believe that I believe that he's kind of captive. We've been seeing some great stuff this morning. I've been so enjoying it. He came to set us free. You know, Moses needs to be set free. And these stories are written, it says in New Testament, 1 Corinthians 10, it says all these things are written for our instruction. They're solid history, they happened, but it's recorded for our sake. It's recorded to teach us things. And so we can be a bit like this. God can say, come on, I want to serve you. We've already heard in the meeting God's got all different gifts and different roles and different parts to play. And God is often inviting you, step up, step up. And very often we say, "Mm, I'm not sure. And I want to suggest to you that it's because we're a bit chained up. And I want to believe that by the time we walk out of this room at the end of this meeting, there'll be kind of a lot of Invisible chains lying on the floor. We're going to step out free. Right? I'm trusting God. I've been praying for that. But as I bring this word to you this morning. We'll step free from things that limit us. And, and sometimes we don't know why we say, I don't think so. You know, you may be invited. Would you do this? Mm, I'm not sure. Maybe you'd like to lead. It. No, I don't think so. Uh, and they get this kind of, instead of, yeah, yeah. I've been freed. I'm literally, like, what, what, what? with a kind of slight reluctance on our part. And God wants us to be set free. So let's believe there's some chains on the floor. Amen? Yes. Amen? So let's see. The first thing I think is this. Why, why did he say no? Well, a bit like us, I don't think he had a clean sheet to offer God. It's not like, yeah, here you are, you write my story. Because there's already crossings out. There's already blots. It's like, I've got some history. You know, that's like it is for most of us. Most of us can say, "Yeah, sure, here I am." It's like, mm. and Moses could say this: "I've tried before." See, he, Moses, he, Moses was a prince. He was in Egypt. He was being raised as the son, as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. In other words, hey, he's lined up to rule. He's got an incredible position, and yet he throws it all away to identify with the people of God. Hebrews 11 says, by faith, by faith. He said, no, I'm going to come. I'm going to be with the people of God. He made a huge step. But when he went to them and said, hey, uh, you know, what are you doing? And he killed an Egyptian. And then he went out the next day and knocked two Hebrew heads together. What do you are? And they said, who made you a ruler over us? Instead of them saying, oh, thanks, Moses, for risking everything to be with us. They said, who do you think you are? And it says, you're going to kill us, like you killed the Egyptian. And he said, wow, they know about it. It's not hidden after all. And he ran for it. And for 40 years, he's been walking around the desert looking after a few sheep. And then suddenly God comes to him. And his response is very... It says says uh, elsewhere in the Bible, he was mighty in word and deed. That's the description of Moses. He was a young, powerful prince in Egypt. It's recorded elsewhere that he led an Egyptian army in conflict against the Ethiopians and won a battle at Memphis. He was a powerful young prince. But now he's looking after a few sheep. And in his mind he said, no, I've tried it before. It didn't work. Not only did it not work, the brothers turned against me. You know, I risked everything for them. I could have stayed in the palace. I could, have, I could have just been there and all the riches, all the wealth, everything I wanted. I could have stayed safe. I could even have waited until I had real power. Then I could have changed the rules. I, I could have played it safe, but I risked everything and they just threw it in my face. And I, and I think this guy's wandering around looking after a few sheep and he's carrying some bitterness in his heart. It's like, they didn't believe me before. You know, bitterness is a terrible enemy. It can really rob you of your Christian joy. It can mess your life up. It's horrible to meet an older Christian who's lived with bitterness all their life. It's a horrible thing. It affects your character. It makes everything look ugly. And and this guy, like, come I've got a great plan. No, thank you. Why not? Well, I did it before. What if they don't believe me? They didn't believe me last time. That's what's coming out. It's like, ah. Uh, and we can be like that. Your, your personality can be shaped like that. Someone makes an offer, like that. Why, why do we carry bitterness? Well, because somebody else has let you down. And we're in a world that's like that. And people can let you down. And, and they're my brothers. See, that's what makes it more powerful. When, you know, it's one thing being let down by a stranger. You think, well, maybe he was a crook. They're my brothers. And they let me down. Maybe you've been let down by brothers. Maybe in business. You tell going to business. And then he robs you, rips you off. And he's a Christian, he's a deacon in another church. Or this guy, he led me along and I, I thought I thought we were gonna get married and he's dropped me. He's a Christian. He really misled me. You can carry you can carry bitterness in your heart. Or somebody, you thought they were going to do this house thing, we would go ahead with this house thing. And they just turned away and left us. They just left us. You can go through things in your life, sometimes even your parents. And you know, when you've been pastoral ministry a long time, you hear some terrible stories. People have difficulty talking to God as Father because my father did terrible things to me. And people live with a lot of pain. When you're in pastoral ministry, you talk to people and they begin sometimes to share the heart. You think, wow, how do you bear that? But you know, the only way out is to forgive. See, when when we think, I I can't forgive them, it's almost feel like I've got got power because I won't forgive. I'm I'm, I'm holding the situation. No, I'm not going to forgive them. I'm in charge. But actually you're not. When you won't forgive, you're ensnared. When you won't forgive, it's like you're carrying around. It's like you're pulling this chain behind you. Now, I'm not going to forgive them. I'm not going to forgive him. I, I won't let him off. Well, I really? I mean, you ought to meet. It's terrible. And this bitterness comes up. And it says in the Bible, the root of bitterness can spoil many. It says in Hebrews 12, you need to obtain grace. Lest the root of bitterness grows up. And the way you find that grace is that you just say, okay, I'll forgive. I wonder if you'll do that this morning. You know, we're praising and worshipping Jesus together, so beautiful. He set me free. We think. Now, we need to know that. I, I, I really, I will forgive. The Bible just tells it so many times. You've got to forgive. Walk away free. You say, wow, it's not fair. No, I know it's not fair. But we've been forgiven, and it wasn't fair. Jesus bore our guilt and shame. we are forgiven people. One thing Christians should be good at is forgiving. Because we've been forgiven so much. So we're going to work through this chapter. That's the first thing I want to encourage you. Is anyone you have difficulty forgiving? Maybe your own sister, your own brother. Somebody very close to you. Oh, I just, ah, no, no. God wants you to let go. When you do that this morning, I'll leave that chain on the floor. They're walking through this chapter. The second thing I think I notice is this uh, he's become passive. What do I mean? Well, is this going to happen? Will you do this? Will you become the nation's deliverer? You think, well, I look after a few sheep every day. This is what I do, so this is who I am. That's how we can be. This is what I do, so this is who I am. And it's just not the whole picture. As a brother showed with us in the meeting, God's got more for us. We don't have to become somebody else. But we do need to step and say, look, look. just because this is what I do, that doesn't mean that's who I am. Moses, for years, been walking around with a few sheep. Forty years! Any idea of being a deliverer of Israel? By faith. He says, wonderful, Hebrews 11, by faith he chose to be numbered with the despised people. Boy, what a noble thought that was. Now, he's looking after a few sheep. He's got married to another woman. Not even a believer. Had a couple of kids. He's kind of forgotten the whole thing. He's forgotten the whole thing. It's like, no, I just look after some sheep. We can be like that. I, I remember I used to catch the. I used to catch the 7:37 train from Brighton to London. I worked in London for X years and back. To, I still remember. They made 7:37. It's still written in there. <laughs> That's got to be. I don't know. Many, many years ago. I every, what do you do? I catch the 7:37. I work in an office in London. That's who I am. And, and you, you can really, come on, I've got something for you. No, not for me. You've got to put that behind you. But been, when you've been raised with Christ, when you're a member of his body, there's all kinds of potential that you never dream possible. You know, I, for myself, I come from a very humble background. Extraordinary, ridiculously humble background. And you say, well, that's who I am. That's what I do. No, God can call us. So I've got something for you. You say, really? <laughs> Come on, let's believe God. See, Moses is in danger, beloved, listen. He's in danger of missing this amazing call in his life, which would have made him one of the most famous men in the Bible. And famous out beyond the Bible. Moses. He could have missed it. See, you can miss it. Beloved, don't miss what God's got for you by saying, "Ah, no, not me. God chooses the weak things. It says in 1 Corinthians, I love that passage. In 1 Corinthians, it says the weak things and the foolish. He doesn't choose many wise. Thank you, Jesus. He doesn't choose many wise. If you've got a degree, you're lucky you got in at all. He doesn't choose. <laughs> he, d- he doesn't choose many wise. He doesn't choose many noble. He doesn't choose many strong. He chooses the weak and the foolish. Thank you, Jesus. That's what the Bible says. Take advantage. He chooses the weak. And Moses, if you like, if I can say it this way, Moses was too strong 40 years earlier. God can't often use strong people. They won't take instructions. He was mighty in word indeed. Thank you. I'll wait 40 years for you. But here I am. I can serve God. 40 years later. I can't do it, great, you're just the one. It says he became the meekest man in all the earth, just right for God. See, when you haven't got a high view of yourself, you can be useful. So that, that, that leave that chain behind. Don't think, well, not me. Yes, you. Yes, you. You're just right. Those who don't feel they're very impressive, just what God wants. Then the third thing I think we can say, he said... I can't speak. Now, I want to suggest to you that, that that sounds very humble. Like, oh, I can't possibly speak. Now, earlier, he was mighty in words. That's the way he's described in Acts 7. Moses was mighty in words. In other words, he could speak. Now, he can't speak. But he's kind of hiding behind it. He's kind of saying, well, no, not me. I can't believe it. See, humility is you need to take care about humility. Humility can rob you. It can, it's like a false humility, a hiding place humility. And, and sometimes Christians make a big thing of this. And, and, and we're, not, we're not quite sure how it works because we think, aren't you supposed to be humble? Yeah, but not so that you make God angry. <laughs> See, that's not real. See, God said, I can't do it. He says, God's angry. God says, oh, how humble. He said, hey and we tend to kind of make it it's funny we, we're kind of putting bits together this, this, things like this you know I might say to the keyboard player forgive me for this I might say to the keyboard player that's beautiful, well done thank you so much and the keyboard player may say Oh, it wasn't me, it was the Lord <laughs> see that's common reply it wasn't me, it was the Lord you feel like saying who played the wrong note? I mean I didn't play the wrong note No, it wasn't me. It was you. (laughs) Uh, and And thank you for the work. Thank you for the many times the musicians have spent time together. Thank you for learning when you had to learn all those chords and things and how it works. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for work done together so we know who's leading this song and that song and we can work together. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It wasn't me, it was you. See, so that kind of wasn't me. I remember once when I, when I first started preaching, and a guy said to me, I used, I, used to a, I used to be a Baptist, and so I went to these Baptist churches, and uh, they used to get the deacons around you before the meeting. And they pray, and, and the guy said to me, If they pray that over me again. <laughs> and he said, well, What do they do, they pray, they say, Oh God, this morning, hide the preacher, we would see Jesus. And this guy says to me, if they pray that again, I'm going to go out into the pulpit and say, let us pray. And then when they close their eyes, I'm going down underneath the pulpit. <laughs> he, he said, let's see how they get on without me. <laughs> and sometimes in some of those wonderful old pulpits, wonderful wooden pulpits. You literally, you see this. It's carved into it. Sir, we would see Jesus. You think, sorry, you're stuck with me. <laughs> you say, but you know what? The, I See, we know what they mean. We know what they mean. They mean, you know, don't show off, don't do this, don't do that. But the danger is, it wasn't me, it was Jesus. So who, who does it all then? Well, you see, we can get to the place. The worst one I've heard lately, and it's kind of a charismatic one, is that God wants a faceless army. Sounds wonderful, doesn't it? A faceless army. A faceless army. Right? <laughs> I've, I've heard some really great preachers say that. God wants a faceless army. What, what does that mean? It means God hates your face. <laughs> it, it means God wants you to have no identity. The thing, You've got to think about it, beloved. We put these things together, and what we come up with is such a weird thing. God wants a faceless army. No, he doesn't. You look at David's army. I've just been reading in the scriptures. I went right through the Bible in the year, And, and <laughs> you've got these named guys. And he says, this guy went down and beat, and you know, he went into a hip and killed a lion, and this guy took out the, and and name, 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 name. Not faceless, named people who will stand before God one day. You see, that whole thing about I didn't do it, Jesus did it, hide the preacher, faceless army, it's like, I have no responsibility. That's the outcome. The outcome is, we don't matter. That's a killer. Moses, come. No, I can't do it. Beloved, you can do that. Sounds humble, can't do it. It's going to rob you. It's going to rob you. See, there was a guy called uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola. You may not have heard of him, but he founded the Jesuit movement. And he gave the church a famous prayer. He said this, I do these things not looking for any reward, save that of knowing I do your will. So that sounds wonderful, doesn't it? I mean, he may have meant something wonderful, but it's not what the Bible says. I do this, things not looking for any reward. Well, the Bible says, the last thing, virtually the last thing in the Bible, Jesus says, I am coming. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to what they've done. So when Jesus comes in his glory with all his angels, he says, I'm coming. It's the last thing in the Bible. I'm coming with my rewards. Uh, Jesus, can you sit down a minute? Um, uh, We've got a much better ethic than that. (laughs) Can I sort you out, Jesus? (laughs) We're not looking for any rewards. (laughs) Who's right and who's wrong? See, beloved, we can hide behind that. Oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. Oh, it's very humble of me not looking for any reward Jesus I'm coming with my rewards I want to give rewards you see we don't often hear preaching on these things and so it can leave us you can even sound humble I can't do it really you're not facing reality one day I'm going to stand before God and one day yes us believers as well we will give account for what we've done with our lives that's important beloved I could waste my life if I don't take that seriously. Yeah. Yeah. i just turn to 1 Corinthians 3, just quickly. 1 Corinthians 3, we have time to spend longer here, but 1 Corinthians 3, I just want to look at a passage uh, where Paul spells this out. He says in 1 Corinthians 3, I planted and Apollos uh, watered and stuff, and we're workers. And then he says this, um, I've laid a foundation. Each man must be careful how he builds. 1 Corinthians 3.11. No man can lay a foundation other than Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it's to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which is built on it remains, he shall receive a reward. Not looking for any reward. It says he shall receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. Though he himself is saved, but as through fire. Now what's he saying? He's saying, look, this is not about salvation. He's not, he says quite plainly there, he'll say saved, we're saved by the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. It's almost like God gives us a clean sheet. God wipes out our guilt, our shame, gives us a clean conscience. What a privilege. A clean conscience before God. Then he invites us to work. I think it was Watchman Lee. He said it's like he gives you a white, white clothing and then he gives you a gold thread so it's not embroidering it. I'm giving you stuff to do. I'm, and I'm going to test the quality of what you do. This is going to happen to you and to me. He will test the quality of the work we did. And then he will reward. Some will suffer loss. Though they're saved, hallelujah, we're saved. But it says quite plainly in the Bible, some will suffer loss. Why? Because it's going to go up in smoke. You see, Jesus tells the story of a a rich guy who comes to uh, give his money. He's a bit ostentatious about it. It's almost like he blows a trumpet. He says, look how big my gift is. And then along comes a little lady, and she puts two coins in. And we kind of avert our gaze when the offering comes around, but Jesus looks. (laughs) That's what the Bible teaches. Jesus looks. And, And the guy's putting in the big offering. It's almost like every man's work will be tested by fire. Okay, let the fire fall. And the smoke clears. Hey, where's it gone? Where's it gone? Some is wood, hay, stubble. It's gone. And then they look at the two mites and Jesus knows what's behind it. he says all she had. Here comes the fire on it. The smoke clears. Man alive, gold, silver. That's that, beloved, that's going to happen to me. It's going to happen to you. We're All our works. Don't hide behind, oh, I'm too humble. You What did you do? I was too humble to do anything. We will, Jesus, wants to t- try, Jesus wants us to serve him. See, our works won't save us, but he calls us to work for him. We must work the works of him who sent us. While well, it's day, the night's coming when no one can work. We're called to work. God's looking for a people zealous for good works. Zealous! It's like, we're going to do this. Can I do it? Not, why well, I couldn't. No, let's be all those people. We're on the front foot. You know, the elders say we're going to try and do this first. No, what about? Oh, look, can I have a go at that? And we're not just left to ourselves. We team up, don't we? We come together. But lest I want to do this, beloved, we're never going to go on and plant more churches unless there's that kind of that rise. And our poor nation, is is such a mess, so blind, and oh, it's going so down the pan. It needs us who found life and light to step up, to step up. So I want this to be a chain that we leave on the ground here. Notice what it says in the next chapter, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul says in verse 4, I'm conscious of nothing against myself. I'm not by this acquitted. The one who examines me is the Lord. Verse 5 is an important verse. Don't go on passing judgment before the time. But wait till the Lord comes, who will bring to light things hidden in darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts. Then each man's praise will come to him from God. See, things are hidden in the heart. Like, Terry, why did you go to Trinity Church in October 2021? You don't know what's in my heart. God will disclose the motives. Each man will get his praise from God. Or it's going up in smoke. God will test the quality of our works and see what our motivation was, why we did it, what we were doing. And so God's looking for works that are with pure motive. And so beloved, let's not hide behind humility. Let's see these three things we've seen so far. Bitterness that could stop us going through. Passivity, what I have called extreme unworthiness. Like, I'm not worthy. That's, that's, that's a hiding place, and it won't stand on that day. God wants us to serve him. Just one more thing. You may have noticed as we read the chapter. through, a really weird thing. I really struggled when I first saw this. It says Moses is going on his way. He's going to say to them, let my people go. Your firstborn will be killed. And then it says this. The Lord came about, verse 24, came about in a lodging place. The Lord met him to put him to death. What? The Lord met him to put him to death. What's that all about? Strange thing. Here's Moses, he's got this staff. Throw it down. It's a snake. Pick it up. Staff. You know, leprous? Not leprous. I'm charged. Here I go. I'm supercharged with power. I've got. You know, I've got it. Here I go. He's been persuaded. Here I go. And next thing, the Lord came to kill him. What's that all about? That's weird. Next verse. Then Zipporah circumcised the son's his son. Well, what was that all about? And then it says he withdrew. Well, this is what I believe it's all about. We don't know. You know, did he see an angel with a sword? Was he just terribly sick? What they knew was this: it was God, and he was going to die. Moses is going to die. He's just been commissioned. He's going to die. What did they do? They quickly circumcised their son. God, listen, God did not have to say what the problem was. God didn't have to say, what about this? They knew what it was straight away. They knew straight away what it was. There was secret disobedience in his life. And Moses is going to be the great lawgiver. Moses, more than anybody in the Bible, is associated with the giving of the Ten Commandments, the giving of the law. He is the ultimate lawgiver. And so far, God's only given him one law, circumcise your son on the eighth day. He's only got one law, and he's not keeping it. He's disqualified. He's as good as dead. He's as good as dead. And so Zipporah, immediately, immediately, circumcision says the Lord withdrew it's like it's done why wasn't it done before it says on the eighth day well he's married Zipporah and probably she's not there's no indication she's a believer in fact she doesn't sound too happy you're a bridegroom of blood to me she hates the whole thing but it's something God required and so to keep the peace he's disobeying God there was, there was secret disobedience. Anything like that in your life before we close this morning? Some things that no one else knows about. It's like something that's at home. See, at home, he wasn't the way. He'll soon be coming out before the people saying, thus says the Lord. He's going to be God's spokesman. But he's, he's, you, know, you are robbed of weight when you've got secret sin in your life. The power of your word. Compromise doesn't burn strength. And This man is totally compromised. He's, he's not obeying. So when directly they, directly they do it, they right, circumcise the boy. Let's deal with this thing. There's something that needs to be put to death in your life so you can serve God. That's another chain. The last one we're looking at. Another chain. This chapter is full of chains that were holding back, that he might be free. And I love what it says at the end of the chapter: "Is Aaron, who speaks of the high priest, he's sent out to meet Moses." I found this in my life when, when, I'm convinced of something, and I say, "I'm so sorry, Lord," I just find Jesus draws near like never before. It says, "Aaron came to meet him," and then it says they walk together. It's wonderful when Jesus comes. So says he embraced him and kissed him. When Jesus comes to you afresh, you say, I'm so sorry, I should never have done that. I should have dealt with that years ago. I come to you. Please forgive me. He comes to you. And that sense of Jesus being at a bit of a distance, no, he's there. He's right there. He embraces you, kisses you, and then you go together. That's the whole deal. That is what Christianity is. You go on with him together. That's the whole chapter ends, so this chapter that begins with a guy saying, "No, ends with him going with Jesus. Our time's gone this morning. just felt I said at the beginning that there might be some chains on the floor here today. Just let's pray together, shall we, mm-hmm. Holy Spirit, we do so desire that you would help us to walk with you in a way that thrills us, Lord, that. That we feel we can face you that day when you are gonna try our works, when you we will face you. We know we're gonna face you. Holy Spirit. I just wanna pray with any who've felt God spoke to you this morning. You know, whatever that I don't need to know what it was. Maybe it is bitterness because of some terrible thing people have done to you. You've, you've had difficulty forgiving them. Maybe it's you just become, you know, this is who I am because this is what I do. Maybe you've hidden behind just being a humble Christian, not faced up to the reality. Maybe there's something secret <coughs> at home that no one knows about, but God knows. I just, if you know any of those things I, I, I'm not going to invite you to come forward or anything but I am going to invite you if you know God's spoken to you this morning I'd love you just to stand where you are and I'd love to pray for you would you do that now just stand if you know God's spoken to you this morning you really know it I just want to pray over you just say Lord by your grace I want to walk out of here with chains left on the floor. And I will follow it up, Lord. I will follow this up. I'd love to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you so much for our time in your presence this morning. Right from the outset, when we Love to lift up your name together, sing your praise together. To make much of Jesus, to lift Him high. It's been our joy, Lord. But I do pray right now, Father, for each one. Lord, Lord, part of the part of coming to You today. Draw near to God; He will draw near to you. And Lord, we just thank you that you are drawing near to speak. And Father, I pray for each one right now. and Lord, I ask you, Lord Jesus, for the Holy Spirit to work through a beautiful response that's not just in this moment, but in the days to come. I pray for those, Lord, who have been bitter. They feel perhaps they've been justified in it. Lord, grace to say, I forgive, I let go. Lord, I pray for any who have just wrongly identified as a nothing when you said I've chosen the weak things Lord those hiding behind humility and not looking for any reward Lord let it be a wake up call that we respond to Lord those with secret things Father in Jesus name I pray come mighty Holy Spirit come mighty Holy Spirit Lord, come upon, let your fire fall upon each life. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. I pray, own this resolve to go in a new way. Own this resolve. Own it, Lord. Bring forth fruit for your glory, Lord Jesus, through the receiving of your word into our lives. Be glorified, Father, we do pray. In Jesus' name. Can we all stand, please? Oh, great. Father, thank you so much for your being with us. Lord, we want to worship you, honour you, bless you. Thank you, for, I thank you for this church, Lord. I thank you so much. I thank you for the different fellowships here. Bless us each one, Lord. Help us to make you known in our lives through our testimony for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.